Hey, good morning, everybody. All right, so the song we're singing is really good when you think about it because we're getting into the Word of God. It's not, um, not stories, not just history, not um, some liturgy that someone wrote. This is an actual event that occurred today that we're getting into. And there's something we could learn from it that means God wants us to read it, to take it in, because he's still got something to speak to us through it today. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that, you'll hear something today. I, 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 I say that. I give you a promise. If you believe that, God's going to speak to you today. We're in Daniel still, and we're in Daniel chapter 6. And a lot of you have heard this already. Daniel in the lion's den. You say, I got that story. I heard that story a long time ago. Well, you had to hear it once sometime, right? So there might be somebody else in the room who's never heard it before. And I think today you're going to hear a little something else. Okay? So I'm excited about it. You guys ready to get into it? Yes. All right, so the title is Daniel, His God, and His Extraordinary Spirit. Because you're going to see in here that every time they refer to Daniel, they talk about his God. Daniel and his God. They associated Daniel with a God, and it was his. They knew that because of the way Daniel interacted with his God. He wasn't just a God. And his extraordinary spirit, twofold, okay? Catch this as we're reading it. Twofold, we're going to see about Daniel's extraordinary spirit, which he got from God. Okay, so he's going to be commended for that. People noticed he had an extraordinary spirit, extraordinary spirit, okay? But also there is an extraordinary spirit above all spirits. That's the Holy Spirit, okay? And we'll be moving in that direction. And I believe the Holy Spirit's making himself a little more present today than usual. So that's encouraging too. So we're looking at Daniel, his God, and his extraordinary spirit. This is chapter 6. Daniel and his God, God and Daniel, they were in it together. Wherever he went, it's Daniel and God, God and Daniel. So hopefully as we speak these words, you start to apply that to yourself. Me and God, God and me, wherever we go, we're in this together. I don't do anything alone. God doesn't leave me behind. God is here with me. Whether it's good or whether it's bad going on in life, God is with me. Daniel and his God. Also, Daniel obeyed the laws of the land. As a follower of God, he obeyed the laws of the land. Regardless of what they were saying and doing, he did what he was supposed to until it came up against God. Now, when it came up against God, he disobeyed the laws. But prior to that, he is obeying the laws of the land. And then there's going to be a point where he has to make a stand. And what I want us to hear in this, and you know about this, you know what the stand's going to be, but if you listen with new ears and you see with new eyes and all your new experience, he doesn't make this stand in isolation. It's just not one day, boom, he's ready to make a stand like this to face death. It was the daily stands. In the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, he's making a stand, and he knows God. He's interacting with God, so he's ready. When the big one comes, he's got this. If we're not in it day in and day out, for real, with God, we may not be ready when the big one falls, when we have to make a stand for God. And he was ready. And then the confidence we have today and what you're going to be sent out with is we have an extraordinary spirit. You have an extraordinary spirit. You have an extraordinary spirit. You have an extraordinary spirit. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, God has put his extraordinary spirit inside of you. So it doesn't matter if you can't sing with the best of them, you can't act, you can't run, you can't do this and that. Regardless of what anybody's told you, anybody ever been put down, any have been pushed away, been told you can't do this, you're not good enough, you're not this, you're not that, I don't want you, we don't want you, you've got the spirit of the Holy God in you, the extraordinary spirit, and we need to remember that. All right, so backstory. If you haven't been here, we're not going to go all the way back. But the Israelites have been released. They've returned 
back to rebuild the temple, but Daniel chose to stay in Babylon under new leadership. So there is a new sheriff in town, and he has stayed there, and he's going to continue to do what Daniel does. He's going to be an upstanding man, a righteous man, interacting with God wherever he is at. Have any of you moved around a lot? You've been to different, anybody been to different countries? You've been to different churches, I know that. You've been around different people. Wherever you are, it's you and God. And you can look back on that as we read this. Throughout the time, it's like God was always there. He was always there, and he's still here now. So we're looking at Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. You're going to see a new word, a satrap. Anybody use that a lot? Sounds like something you catch a mouse in or something. You, know, you want to stay away from. Look at that as a satrap. It just is a word for a governor. Okay? So when we read this, just substitute governor in. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I ask today that uh, we can praise you that we've heard this passage before, God, and we've heard it a lot. I pray, God, that you will be pleased today that we're looking at this passage and we're not skipping it. I pray that you'll speak to us through it because we were primed and ready to hear your word in a new way today, God. I pray that you will equip us for what we need to do in the future, Father, that you will build us under your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It seemed good to Darius, the new king, to appoint 120 satraps or governors over the kingdom that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom and over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one. And that these satraps might be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. So this king's a smart guy. We read in other places there are 127 provinces. He's appointing 120. Somebody's getting some extra duties. But he wants to make sure, it doesn't say that the people are governed correctly. He wants to make sure nobody's ripping him off, right? He's like, okay, I got to put some people in place here to make sure the rules are followed because I don't want people taking what's mine. That's what the king's doing. So he has 120, and then over them, he's going to appoint three. And lo and behold, Daniel is one of them. Now, isn't that fascinating that Daniel, they know that he was from Judea. They know he was brought in exile, and he chose to stay. And he's had a history with each king, and he had that word that night with the writing on the wall. And they have seen something in him. The king has seen something in him. He said, I'm going to put you over the 120, you, a Jew, in my kingdom, the the Medes and the Persians, you're going to be one of the top three. Now, do you think the other guys like this? No. We've seen that throughout. They're very jealous, and they're envious, and I, I believe they're corrupt, too. We're going to see that. But the king's doing this so he wouldn't suffer loss. And he's doing it not because Daniel had charisma. Whoa. Bling. It wasn't because Daniel was good-looking. He was in his 80s. He could still be good-looking in his 80s, right? Yeah, but that wasn't why he was appointed. And it wasn't because of his particular skill set that he's good with this or he's good with that. He had an extraordinary spirit. And people notice that. Even Darius. Darius is not just going to appoint somebody for a feel-good, you know, honorable commissioner. It's because he had an extraordinary spirit. So that gives hope for us. So if you're in here today and you're feeling like, I don't, I don't have an extraordinary spirit. I don't feel distinguished from everybody else. I don't feel different. You are. And God wants you to know that through his word today that he has placed his extraordinary spirit inside of you. And that makes you extraordinary. Okay, this is going to be one of those sermons. This is a feel good. Okay. You can feel good today. I don't think I have anything to go after you on today. 
Kept trying to milk that cow and it was running off. It's like, no, 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 that's not the message. And Daniel was so up there, the king's thinking about putting him in charge of everything. Whoa. He's going to create some enemies. Wouldn't you be like, don't, no, no, don't do that. Don't you, they want to kill me? Don't you know? Don't do that. Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation. We're going to have to take him down. Sounds like government today. Accusation against Daniel in regard to governmental affairs. You with me? Okay. But they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. So these men are threatened by Daniel. He's taking our spot. He's making us look bad. And lo and behold, I think they were corrupt. And they knew they weren't going to get away with what they used to do. If he's in charge, he doesn't play the games like we do. He's not going to pad it. He's not going to lie. He's not going to skim. And that means we can't do it if he's watching over us. That would be tough if you're a bad guy, right? If you've been doing all kinds of stuff. So they're jealous, and they want to accuse him of something. Now, can you relate to this? It sounds like today, right? It's like, we don't want him in charge. What we're going to have to do is we're going to smear him because we want to cancel him. So we've got to find something to try to cancel Daniel with. So let's go after Let's start checking the books. Let's see what he's been doing. He's been, he's been in here like 50 years in leadership positions. We should get some good stuff on him. Only get the good stuff, okay? We don't need to mess with the minor stuff. Just get the good stuff, and we're going to take him down, and we're going to get his spot. But as they dig into Daniel's life, who would want, do you want anybody digging into your life? Checking all your past, everywhere you've been, everything you said and done, any corruption in you? They're going after Daniel, and they can find no ground of accusation against Daniel. Here's a guy that's been taken away as a prisoner. He is following hard after God. He didn't say, God, you let us down. I don't want you. He's following hard after God every day. Every day he's got a relationship with his God. And because of that, they couldn't find any ground of accusation. There was no negligence by Daniel. When they checked the books, when he was supervisor, when he was in charge, he didn't neglect anything. The king didn't lose anything. All those kings didn't lose anything because this guy is somebody you want working for you because he answers to God. So he's going to do it the right way. And they couldn't find any negligence. He didn't leave anything undone. And they couldn't find any corruption attributable to Daniel. That's outstanding, isn't it? What a retirement. What an obituary that you could have. Then these men said, well, hmm, you know, guys, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. That sounds like corruption, doesn't it? These sound like lowlifes. That they want to get what they're going to get. And they're like, we can't get him. He hasn't done anything. We can't cancel him. But there's going to be an issue with his religion. We know it. Because Daniel is tight with his God. They knew that. Now hear this. Hear this. This is what God wants us to hear too. Daniel was so tight with God, his God, as they say, that they knew we can try to find something to twist with God to get him in trouble. Are you that tight with God that somebody says, okay, first of all, have you been... Could you, could you pass the first test? If you pass the first test, could somebody go after you because that's how tight you are with God? So they're going to go after him with this. Daniel is so blameless, this is what they have to do. They have to set a trap. All right? So they're like, we're going to get him. We're going to set a trap for him because we can't get him anywhere else. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius... 
live forever because we're kiss-ups. And we know that you have a big ego, King. So we're going to play the game with you right now. We're going to play you. First off, a lie. All the commissioners of the kingdom. I don't like Daniel was involved in this, was he? There's a lie right off the bat. The prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together. Oh, we've consulted together, king. We've consulted together that the king should establish a statute. That's it, a statute. And enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the documents. Sign it right here. So that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document, that is, the injunction or decree. These are smart guys, right? These are politicians at the best. They're like, we're going we're gonna to go and we're going to play on his ego. We're going to lie. He's got such a big ego, he's not going to check to see if what we're saying is true. And it was really a stupid thing, wasn't it? I mean, why? For 30 days, no one can pray to a God or go to any man but you. They're putting him above God. And he's like, sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah, I like this. Boy, these people really like me. They really like me. They, they see all this goodness in me. This is a great plan. So they go and present this document. He's down with it. He says yes. And then verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the document was signed... Don't you feel like that lately? A lot of things have been said here and said there. This is coming. This is coming. Oh, did you hear what they signed this week? Oh, okay. Now it's done. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he immediately packed his bags and ran away and hid everything that gave evidence that he was a follower of God. No? You guys be yelling at me. Start throwing grab that ball and throw it up here. You're twisting the word of God. No. When he found out he entered his house, now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. So he's up there where you can see him. Okay, And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. So Daniel knew the document's been signed. It's a scary thing when you know this has been said, if you've ever been there. This has been said, and this is what's going to happen. You've got to decide, are you going to do it anyway? Knowing that you aren't doing anything wrong, you're actually doing something right, but you're going to pay the price for it. So this is an upstanding guy. He's not going to do anything corrupt or negligent, especially towards his guy. We even read that says he continued doing what he had been previously doing. Okay? So he was ready. He spent his entire life praying to God, seeking God, talking to God, following God. So in a time like this came where they're going to throw his carcass and with the lions for doing this he's ready he's like I know what I have to do this is a scary thing I don't want to die but I've been doing this my whole life this is my life and I have to die this way then I'll die this way so he continues doing what he had been doing he enters his house and he prays there's an important message in here about prayer if you've never noticed before prayer was a part of Daniel's life he's communicating to God this is what he does he does it morning, afternoon, and evening. Here he's doing it with his windows open. Now, he didn't go out in the street and make a big production of all this, a big rebellious saying, oh, you tell me I can't do this? Well, look at what I'll do, walking through the streets praying. He's not about that. He's just going to keep doing what Daniel does with God. So he goes in his room, and he's praying three times a day and giving thanks before his God. 
Thank you, God, that I'm in a position that I've been following you all my life. And by talking to you right now with them watching, they're going to feed me to the lions. I praise you, Lord. It may not go like that, but he's like, I praise you, God, that if they do throw me to the lions, you got this. I cannot deny you, and I cannot stop what I'm doing. I'm not going to bow down to fear, and I'm not going to stop following you. I praise you, God. I thank you that you've got this, and you've got me, Lord. Uriah Smith summarized this. He said, Daniel realized that a conspiracy was formed against him. Okay? But he took no means to thwart it. He simply committed himself to God, and he left the issue to his providence. He did not leave the capital on business or perform his devotions with more than ordinary secrecy. He wasn't overly defiant. And here's the rest of the story. So Daniel goes to pray. And he, what you do as you read these stories, you've got to put yourself in that position too. Okay, are you relating to Daniel right now? Would I do that? Have I been doing that? Would I go do it knowing what it's going to cost me, potentially? He goes and prays, and little eyes are watching, right? There's a song we were listening on our road trip recently. I always feel like somebody's watching me. <laughs> Somebody is always watching. And they were guaranteed watching him. 11 through 15 says, Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. O king, glorious one, did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or any man beside you, O king, for 30 days is to be cast into the lion's den? How cheesy is this? Did you not? Boy, these guys are slick, aren't they? The king replied, full of ego, The statement is true. According to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. He's still acting foolish. He's so full of himself, he doesn't even know what's going on. You've been there before? You weren't paying attention, and suddenly the lights come on, and you're like, man, I've been played. Then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. I bet the king's heart stopped at that point. He's like, oh, no. Then, as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel, and even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. So king's thinking, I've got to rescue Daniel. I've, I've, I've messed up here. Daniel's in trouble. It's because of me and my ego. I've got to do something to try to help him. But as he's thinking and turmoiling over this, these three men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So they're, they're in charge, aren't they? They have tricked him, and he's bound. It's not like today we could say, well, why don't they just say I made a mistake? That's not how this law worked. Once it was done, let it be written, let it be done. And he had to, he was bound to throw Daniel into the lion's den. Now, I want to tell you about this. So, if you ever wondered, I wondered when I'm reading the Bible, maybe it's like that third time through, you're like, why did they have a lion's den? Did you ever wonder about that? Just because it was cool? They have some lions, you know, some pet lions? What I read was they had like a, a, a cage that had an opening that you would drop new lions into. And they kept them in there and they had a gate in the front. And at times they would take these lions out over, Babylon was very big. We already established that, right? And they had an area where they would go and hunt the lions. And that's why they had lions there. We would also use the lions to feed people to that made the king unhappy. Okay? So these lions are all there and everybody knows about them. 
So the king is bound, verse 16, then the king gave orders and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. I don't hear a lot of faith in this guy, do you? Your God in whom you serve, he'll deliver you, right? This, this man doesn't have any faith. He's writing on the coattails of Daniel's faith. Do you have faith today, or have you been writing on the coattails of someone else's faith? When he dropped him in, he didn't know if he could save him or not, but he's trying really hard to believe it. I'm trying real hard to believe this. And I'm telling you, there come some times in life, no matter how hard you try to believe something, you can't muster up. It takes the Holy Spirit, it takes God to give you that faith just to hold on and trust. This man didn't have that kind of faith because he didn't know Daniel's God. He knew a bunch of other demonic false gods, but he didn't know Yahweh. So they take Daniel and they drop him in and a stone is brought and rolled over the mouth of the den so he can't get out. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles. Everybody's coming up, pouring some wax or something on there and they're smashing their rings in there. While he's down inside in the dark, they're doing all this. So that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting and no entertainment was brought before him and his sleep fed from him. Well, that's good to hear, isn't it? He didn't go home and watch cable. <laughs> i got to go see what's on Netflix. No, he was in turmoil about this. Someone else was in trouble, and he was a part of it. So he goes home. The king, he's fasting. Don't bring on the dancing girls tonight. No big feast. I'm worried about this man that I just put into a lot of trouble out of my stupidity and my ego. And it says that he couldn't sleep. Now, you know who else was fasting that night? <laughs> well, yeah. Daniel was fasting, wasn't he? And Daniel didn't have any entertainment either, did he? But you know what? As I read this, I think Daniel slept. Can you imagine that? He's dropped in, these lions come around, and yes, they're fasting. Because we know that God sent an angel to shut their mouths. Okay, so you get in a situation right now. I'm going to come down here to you because I want to get your attention. You guys have been in situations last year. You're going to be in situations this year, and you're going to think God can't do anything. You're going to be like holding on to somebody else's faith. You've got to have faith of your own, and I'm telling you, there's nothing. You wonder why I'm shouting. I'm shouting to help you guys out. I'm not, I'm not a shout. I haven't been a shouter. My kids have seen me preach for years, and they're like, Dad preaches differently now. He gets up there and shouts. <laughs> I've been in more disciplined environments before. I didn't have to shout. I'll stop there. So he's down there, and what is God going to do? You've been there before. What is God going to do? How can God help me in this? God, help me, please, God. This is what they said. This is what they're doing. I can't say anything. I can't refute it. Nobody will listen to me, God. Would you please help me? I want to run right now, God. I want to get out of this, but I can't. I know I need to stand here, and it hurts really bad, and I'm really embarrassed, and I'm kind of wondering why you're not doing anything, God. You've been there before? Okay, well, God was there. In this situation, God sent an angel down. Remember there was a rock, and it was sealed, and so nobody could get in or out, but an angel got in there, didn't it? God said, go down there now 
and take care of those lions because I want Daniel to come out of that cave. So an angel goes down, and you wonder, did Daniel get to actually see it? You know, is the, is the angel, you know, like at the circus, Ringling Brothers, or is the angel grabbing the, by the lion by the mouth and going, did he have a sword? Whatever he had, these lions didn't touch Daniel. And that's why I'm just going to go on believing. I think Daniel eventually laid down and went to sleep. He said, looks like I'm not dying tonight. And I'm awfully tired and I haven't eaten. And it's really boring down here. I'm going to bed. So the king is up all night tossing and turning because he's got no faith. Daniel's okay. Verses 20 to 22. Morning comes around at dawn, at the break of dawn, and the king went with haste to the lion's den. When he had come near to the den, to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve has he been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. Ugh. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him, and also toward you, O king, I had committed no crime. Isn't that nice? He's a, they're listening to him now. He's like, I didn't sin before God. I didn't sin before you. I didn't commit any crime. And God has shown you that. Have you ever had, God's done that for me before. I had somebody smearing me. And I wanted to leave. And I wanted to go run away and go somewhere else and take my family with me. And I'm like, God, it's not true. It's not true. And I know you've got me here. So I need to keep standing here and trusting you. Please, God, would you reveal it? I wanted him to reveal it the next day, but it took about six months. But it's a very satisfying thing to have somebody in a position of authority and know and come and say, you know what, I think we've only been listening to one side of the story. Yes! Praise you, God. That's a life lesson. When you learn that, when you put your reputation and your position in God's hands and he delivers you, you're like... Then when the next time comes around, you're like, we're going to wait this one out too, God. You came through last time. I got the faith. We're going to wait this one out, God. So he said, as your God whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you. So he knows he's got a God. He knows that he constantly serves him. And there's a possibility that he might have delivered him. So he asked him these questions. And, and Daniel's able to say that I was innocent. I've committed no crime. And yes, he has delivered me. Scripture goes on to say, when they pull him out, no kind of harm was found on Daniel because he had trusted in his God. And his God saved him. It's kind of like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. When they came out, there was no evidence of smoke, fire, burns, or anything, right? No evidence of any harm on them. So Darius, being the man that he is, it turns really ugly here, and it's tough. But he takes those men that have been making all these accusations with their wives, with their children. Now, these children could have been 27 or 30. That makes it a little more less, less devastating. But he takes them and he throws them in the lion's den. And scripture says before they even hit the ground, the lions were tearing them to shreds. Because that angel wasn't there anymore, right? They could not write on Daniel's faith. They were on their own now. Then verse 25, 27, Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God. 
and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, remember that? Nebuchadnezzar put out a big decree. So he's changed his story. Now, I don't think he's really believing. He's not saying, follow this God. He's just said, this God is a living God. He's for real. And we need to notice this. And he was very honoring to God. So verse 28 ends it all. says, so this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Okay, so he had, he had success. There's going to be more to the story on that, but we're going to take a little break here. So you think about this. Powerful rulers had come and gone. Daniel's a nobody, right? Nobody. And now you're like, oh, yes, he was. Well, in the big scheme of things, he's a nobody. He's just a prisoner. But he has an extraordinary spirit, and God establishes him. And so all these, all these kings have come and gone, and Daniel and his God have longevity and a witness of the glory of God. The great Nebuchadnezzar. He, he's the dude. He's the man. He's, he's, he's conquering everything. He's having visions. He died in 562 B.C. Daniel and his God were still around. He was succeeded by his son, Evil Merodach, who reigned for only two years. Daniel and his God were still around. His brother-in-law, Neglasar, murdered him in 560, usurped the throne, and ruled for four years. Daniel and his God we're still around. And Daniel's praying morning, afternoon, and night. Then a weak puppet leader, Labashi Marduk, held the throne for two months. Daniel and his God are still around. And finally, Nabonidus became king and reigned from 556 to 539 BC. His reign was over, and Daniel and his God were still standing and still going through day by day together. Nabonidus ruled the Babylonian Empire, and historians believe his son Belshazzar, who we read about last week, was co-regent with him. And as co-regent, he ruled the city of Babylon until his death because he died, but Daniel and his God still continued to walk daily and have an impact where people are watching him. Now Darius and Cyrus were in charge. New rulers. New rulers mean new what? Rules. New rulers, new rules once again. New people, new peers, same God. So let me read that one more time. New rulers, new rules, new people, new peers, same God. And Daniel was still standing and enjoyed success in the reign of Darius in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Okay? So break. That's, that's Bible story for today. Now let's talk about us. You want to talk about you a little bit? We love to talk about us, don't we? It is crazy when you get, somebody brought that to my attention a long time ago. I'm a lot more self-conscious. They said, I'm hearing I an awful lot. So I'm going to talk about myself. Now Daniel had an extraordinary spirit. And as I said before, I hope you hear this today. I hope you can hear this today. I hope you can hear this today. Okay, you, can, you can handle like 15 more minutes of even that. This is going to be a shorter one today. You have an extraordinary spirit in you. If you've confessed Christ as your Savior, if you've been covered in His blood, if you've been forgiven of your sins through Him, He has placed His Spirit inside of you. Do you believe that today? Do you know that today? Do you, do you know that today? I'm looking at my kids. Do you know that today? We could just explode with that knowledge right now. Like, are you, are you serious? I got the Spirit of God in me? You've got the Holy Spirit in you, the extraordinary Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17, Paul wrote, Now the Lord is the Spirit, 
And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That freedom, now think about freedom, that's freedom not to be afraid. Freedom not to sin. Freedom to obey the rules when you can. Freedom to be a witness. Freedom. Do you know, do you know, are you, are you sitting here today, and are you listening, do you know what it's like to not have freedom in your spiritual life? You remember what that was like, some of you? To be enslaved, to not have freedom, and then when you confess that, man, you lay it down at the cross, it says Jesus, all of it was nailed to the cross. And to have that freedom, that freedom, if you haven't been experiencing the freedom lately, now's the time to start saying, I'm ready, God. I'm ready. I want to experience some of that freedom. I want to start living for you more this year than I did last year and the year before. I want to increase in my walk with you, God. I don't want to decrease. Now, I, I don't know how I'm going to do that. But I know you can help me. I know you can help me, God. I may have a bad track record, but starting today... This day in February, God, I want something new and fresh. I believe you desire it too. I desire it. I'm not quite sure how to do it, but I'm asking you today with your extraordinary Holy Spirit in me, would you start something new, God? So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now that may make a question for some people like, where, where is the Holy Spirit? At church? At the Vatican? With the Pope? The Holy Spirit is with those who believe. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know? Do, do you not know? This is so great. You got in your cars, you got dressed, you showered, you came up here today, and what you're being told, what God is telling you, do you not know? Not a drill, but this is like a, do you not, do you not know? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are in not your own? You know, we're so busy trying to make this temple look good, and I don't know about you, but I made it through eating at Thanksgiving, Christmas, a wedding, a road trip. I'm like, i got to lose some weight. This hurt is hiding a lot. But that's not what God's looking at. We are a temple of His Holy Spirit. He's called you His child, and He's put His Spirit inside of you if you have submitted to Him. And imagine that, the Spirit of the living God in you. Okay, so now, we're going to leave. If you don't have... The spirit of living God in you, if you haven't given your life to Christ, you just kind of ponder that for a little bit. I'm going to take the rest of you over here. We're going to talk, okay? You ponder that hard, too, because you don't want to be like those other connivers and what happened to them. All right, so they couldn't bring any accusation against Daniel because he was with his God daily. So we've got to ask ourselves today as we come in here, this is a safe space, safe space with God. You who call yourself Christian, could somebody find accusation against you? They certainly could in my past. God's cleaned up my act a lot, but they could still find some accusations. We're working on this together. But you got any ground of accusation right now in your life? I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're a freshman in high school. I don't care if you're a senior in high school or you're a senior. Can anybody find accusation in your life? Is there any negligence in your life right now? This is a good thing to talk about. It Then we have to squirm in our seats because God already knows. You know, how did you handle the last year? How did you handle this morning? Is there any negligence in the way you've been doing your finances? Is there any negligence in your household the way you've been treating your parents? Is there any negligence in how you've been treating your kids? Even us old ones have parents too, don't we? Is there any negligence, any corruption? Taxes are coming up real soon. 
This is your warning. Don't cheat. You might get caught. Well, they deserve it. No, got to follow the law of the land. Is there any negligence on your part here in this church? I haven't seen any grounds for accusation in our church. I don't say that with pride. We have a nice system. We have you all. You have me. We have elders, deacons, not elders, we have deacons. Um, we have Vicky's in a position in the office. She sees a lot that comes and goes. We have safety nets here so we can watch each other. We have Bill doing finances, but Bill doesn't do things in isolation. He lets us know what he's doing. So I haven't seen negligence. We might be negligent in reaching out to our community, but it's getting really hard to do that. That's not my excuse, but have you been negligent in coming up with ideas? Okay, things to think about. I'm be very careful because I told you I wasn't going to milk the guilt cow. This is just to get us thinking. We, we do meet to pray. It's not a guilt thing. We meet to pray every Wednesday. That's our record book in heaven of this church. We have a record book of stable prayer for over three years every Wednesday. Have you come once? Are you negligent in that area? It's stuff to ask yourselves, okay? Here's the deal. God can help you with all this. Are you negligent in prayer like I am at home? Sometimes when you get up in the morning, you're going to pray. In the afternoon, you're going to pray. By evening, you're going to pray tomorrow. You're negligent? Have you been in the Word of God? Have you been negligent? He will help you. That's just it. That's like today's an okay time to just stop and pause and say, like, eh, we've got to work on a few things, us and God. But he's going to help us because he's put his extraordinary spirit in us so that we would be extraordinary witnesses that we would live an extraordinary life, even if it's a day-by-day, day, like Daniel, day-by-day. Day. He had big things happening, but there was a wide gulf between big event and big event, right? Most of life is just day-by-day. Day. But God can make it extraordinary because he's put his extraordinary spirit in us. He can make us so that we, um, we don't, not only do we not have accusation against us, but we have accolades. This is a woman you want on that team. This is a woman you want in charge of that. This is a man you want in charge of that. This guy's outstanding. I'm telling you, right? He's going to do it. He's going to go at it. He believes and he's passionate and he communicates that passion. Here's another fellow. He's, he's, he's kind of quiet, but he's really good at this. He will do it. And he will not make it about himself. He's going to make it about God. You want him doing this. That could be you that somebody's talking about. Because you have an extraordinary spirit in you. And God will take those gifts and talents he already gave you and he'll make them even better. And he doesn't want you just using them on the outside. He wants you to use them on the inside too. And what about in your home? Will you ever have that thing where you're like, I have given up as a parent. Seven kids. And they were all together at one time. And it felt like a complete, just absolute failure at times. Absolute failure. You've been there? Anybody else been here before? I'll, I'll take a seat on this one. I would like to, I'm just curious. Do you guys ever mess anything up? You ever wonder if you messed your kids up? I had the police call one time, and I thought it was this kid, and it was the other one. I had to go tell Lisa. I said, police just called. Oh, my gosh, what did he do? I said, it wasn't him. It was the other one. I got to go. I felt like a loser dad. It was one, one congregation. I was in the military. I'm like, man, these people are gracious to me because they could bring up Scripture saying, if you can't control your own household, then you shouldn't be a pastor, right? They didn't, they didn't do that. They could have, though. They could have brought that charge against me, but they didn't. And I find after time, things just kind of work out. You keep hanging in there. You keep pursuing God and involving God in everything and committing your kids to God no matter how old they are. Some of you are pretty desperate right now because your kids are older and you're thinking, is it too late? Don't stop praying for them. Okay? Don't be negligent in that area. Don't give up because we're seeing here that God can send an angel past seals and stones into the dark and shut the mouths of lions to reach somebody. 
So he'll help us with all of that. And then he'll help us to flee from things. This is getting on to the last point, okay? And we're going to end on a really good note. Good note. But we're supposed to flee, and the Holy Spirit will help us. Timothy, it's written, but flee from these things, not like these other men that cause trouble. Flee from these things, you man of God, woman of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. You notice we're not focusing on the things to flee from. We're focusing on the things to flee to. In 2021, do you want to flee to righteousness? Do you want to flee to godliness? Do you want to flee to faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness? Gentleness is one i got to work on. I say that so that you'll know. I'm, I'm preaching to myself too. But if we want to flee to these things, the extraordinary Holy Spirit living in us will help us to do that this year. He will help us. that We could be a new person. This could be a new turn in life. There's a term, a watershed moment, when it went that way. Everything could change for you in a good way. You could start following hard after God with His help. And then we get to the place, and this is the last passage. This is, this is wrapping up. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. This is what I think you want. This is what you can have in God, but we have to be in there. Okay? God's got us. He's got us by the hand. He's never letting us go. But if you want more, you want this life we're talking about. Blessed is the man, and I'll say woman, who trusts in Yahweh and whose trust is Yahweh. What have you been trusting in? We say it with our mouths. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in Yahweh, whose trust is Yahweh. Don't you like that? I'm like, why did they repeat it? It's like, she doesn't just trust in God. God is her trust. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes. We thought that was a modern term, bringing on the heat. But they're bringing on the heat now. We're going to bring on some heat. Well, that's just fine because I'm like a well-watered tree with roots going deep into the water source. You can bring all the heat you want on, okay? Because I'm not going to wither. I'm telling you right now. You'd be like a tree by a stream, but its leaves will be green and will not be anxious. You know, I'm going to read this one two or three times. In a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. Okay. 2020, but its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious. Now, don't feel bad if you're anxious. We're not talking about that. We're talking about not being anxious anymore because we have an extraordinary spirit, the Holy Spirit in us. It will not be anxious in a year of drought. So this resource can go away. This resource can go away. That resource can go away. This one can go away. But if you got God, you're going to be okay. Because things change and things go away, but our support, our trust, our provision comes only from Him. Okay? So in a year of drought, we don't have to be anxious. Isn't that, free to, isn't that great to know? Hey, let it go. We don't have to be anxious anymore. Easier said than done, but you're hearing it. You don't have to be anxious anymore whatever's got you anxious and you will also yield fruit in a dry season uh, lord knows it's been a dry season right <laughs> sometimes you got to just keep on keeping on and you hope that you're yielding some fruit and i'm telling you today you have been yielding some fruit you have been yielding some fruit some of you got a big truck full of watermelon some of you got a pomegranate but you've been yielding some fruit okay and you can yield more fruit this year with the extraordinary Holy Spirit inside of you. We go to that picture? Yeah. 
I want to leave you with this, with just a, a vision of what life could be. No matter what comes, no matter what is said about you, no matter how somebody goes after you, no matter what happens to you physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, this is how we can be with God, with Jesus Christ covering us. So now in conclusion, back to you that that put things to the side. I said just put that to the side a minute and think about it. Don't be deceived any longer. Uh, Nobody knows what tomorrow holds. Nobody knows what today holds. So don't put off God's pull and tug at your heart any longer. It is time, now is the day of salvation. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've ever kneeled it before his cross and said, nail it up there, take it up there with you, God. I want to be dead in you and new in Christ. Today could be that day. So I'm going to call Roger up. We have an area up here that will be open for prayer if you want to come up for prayer. If you want somebody to pray with you, pray with you. Pray with you, just motion to me. Otherwise, we'll leave that time alone with you and God. But um, I encourage you during these last couple songs to think about the extraordinary Holy Spirit that's been placed inside of you and the potential of what God wants to do with you starting today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your good word. Jesus, I, I thank you that we don't think we're so mature that we don't need to hear about Daniel in the lion's den. I thank you that we were able to publicly look at this today, to read it, to explore it, to internalize it. I pray that you help us, God, that we won't go um, the rest of the week forgetting what we even talked about. But I pray for a change. Holy Spirit, we pray for a change that you'll, you'll light us up. That when the heat comes on, it'll be nothing compared to the fire within us. We praise you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.